Welcome to Metaphysical Soul Speak. I'm your host, Elena Fox Starks. Hey guys, I hope you're doing really well in this moment in time, and that whenever and wherever you happen to be, that you had a wonderful May Day. That's right, it's Beltane time again. That has to do with May 1st. This is an ancient Celtic festival, reading from the Britannica.com which is otherwise known as the Encyclopedia Britannica. The alternative titles for today's festivities over the years have been called Bell's Fire, Beltane, with one L as well as two, <laughs> Beltine or Beltine, and also I think it's saying Satamane or Chetamane, I don't know. That's Irish, Gaelic, and I don't know enough of it to even know how to read it. But this is a festival that's always held on the very first day of May in Ireland and Scotland. And it celebrates the beginning of summer and open pasturing, allowing your animals to go out into the field. They get to eat the new, the fresh new grass and the new flowers. And it is a time when the flowers return. In uh, traditions that are pagan and witchcraft traditions, basically, this is when the Lord and the Lady get back together and spring is renewed and everyone is happy. The winter is over. The very first mention of Beltane, according to Encyclopedia Britannica, is when it was mentioned in a glossary attributed to the Bishop of Cashel and King of Munster. His name was Cormac. He was killed in 908. And he describes how cattle were being driven between two bonfires on Beltane as a magical means of protecting them from disease before they were led into summer pastures. This is a custom still observed in Ireland in the 19th century. So maybe we should have all walked between two bonfires as a magical means of protecting us from disease, a one coronavirus, <laughs> maybe. Other uh, festivities for this past day has been dancing around a maypole and cutting flowers and green boughs and you bring them indoors to symbolize the freshness and the newness of the year. This is almost like a brand new year, or a brand new season at least. So in early Irish lore, a number of significant events took place on Beltane, which long remained the focus of folk traditions and folk tales from Ireland, Scotland, 
as well as the Isle of Man. As did other pre-Christian Celtic peoples, the Irish divided the year in between two main seasons. Winter in the beginning of the year fell on November 1st. This is Samhain. And I got a pop-up. Hold on a minute. Okay. And mid-year in summer on May 1st, which is Beltane. This is the Irish words. These two junctures were thought to be critical periods when the bounds between the human and supernatural worlds were temporarily erased. On May Eve, witches and fairies roamed freely and measures had to be taken against their enchantments. Of course, if you want to open up a fairy realm, we could always say, Will a wish to Athasa dig Shiger Maleth. <laughs> Thank you to Jude Dikoff of the Starseed Perspective for <laughs> teaching us that one. <clears throat> okay. Ooh, that opens up a fairy portal, and here they are. <laughs> Cormac derives the word Beltane from the name of a god, Bel, B-E-L, or Bill, B-I-L, and the old Irish word Ten, T-E-N-E, or Tain, which means fire. Despite the linguistic difficulties, a number of 20th century scholars have maintained modified versions of this etymology, which links the first element of the word with the Gaulish god whose name was Belenos. In Irish, it would be Belenus, B-E-L-E-N-U-S. So, um... There we go. Uh, they say Belenus is a great fire festival called Beltane or Beltane was held May 1st and was probably originally connected with the cult of Belenus, basically. On that day, the cattle were purified and protected by fire before being put out to the open pastures for the summertime. And then it says, despite associations with his name, fire and then that was it they just that was the end of that I don't know what's going on with that it's like they had like a little bit of a, a blurb about him and then never mind sorry it's over I don't know what happened there <laughs> moving right along I I don't know what has been going on in your life but for me in the past 24 hours or so actually maybe the past two days I have been really, really out of it. I have not been able to function or think much. Outside of doing the show, I haven't gotten a lot done except making bread with my kid. And my my son and I were, um, we've been really excited about this making of bread and we've got this sourdough starter that outgrew its little jar. We had like a medium-sized jar, it totally outgrew that. And tomorrow we'll have, um, we've been making, like today we made pancakes from the starter because you have to take it out and then add more stuff to it and mix it up. And every day you do this for seven days and you just leave behind two tablespoons. And this is how you make a sourdough starter. You keep feeding it, feeding it, feeding it, feeding it. And that's how it gets very sour. And then you could keep it forever. As long as you keep it in a, in a sealed jar you can have sourdough for the rest of your life without ever having to buy yeast, which is pretty cool. Plus sourdough bread is really, really good. So 
we've been having a good time. We made a, a loaf of sourdough bread the other day that was an overnight sourdough, and now we're getting ready to start. Instead of doing a 26 to 27 hour sourdough, this one is just, once you have the starter, you add it and it takes about one or two hours to make the bread and that's it. So anyway, so we've been kind of into it thinking this is cool. It's our own little secret, like what we're doing. And on my Instagram feed, it looked like, um, I'm not the only one, two or three people have been making their own bread. And then my son thought that's interesting. And he looked it up. Apparently it is a trend suddenly when the stores are running out of regular bread just that you go and buy a loaf of bread people have gotten the bright idea just like us <laughs> to go buy flour and yeast and as a direct result of that yeast across the United States is so scarce that it's rarely you can't even find it it's rarely found to not found at all all the stores are out of it. They don't normally stock a lot of yeast because hardly anyone ever bakes their own bread anymore. And all of a sudden our world changed in three months. Well, yeah, actually three months, less than three months. Isn't that just crazy? I mean, we thought, oh, we're being kind of special. This is kind of cool. You know, what can we do with sourdough? What can we do with this? You know, and it was just like, we, we've been talking about it. You know, we're like, we're going to make loaves of bread. We are probably going to keep making pancakes with it and experiment with that. My son's like, maybe we could try making cookies. That might be something interesting, you know, to give an, an added dimension of flavor to cookies. And we talked about making our own pretzels. So we're really like thinking a lot of the things we can make, you know, like uh, thinking of, uh, like non, we're thinking about making butter chicken. Then we could make our sourdough non might be interesting. So, <laughs> but it was funny. I'm just scrolling through and a couple people made bread and pink. She made bread. I was like, no way, no way. That's what she's doing. Cool. Her, her loves of bread. Um, she took pictures. They're beautiful. I take pictures of ours, but wasn't nearly as beautiful as hers, <laughs> but we've been, um, pretty much not doing anything except just baking bread, having conversations, watching, um, afterlife together with Ricky Gervais and, um, simultaneously laughing and then crying. That show is intense. It's nice though. It's a good show. There's only 12 episodes available. It's like season one and season two combined only make 12 episodes. But, um, I don't know. I mean, I was abducted, what, two days ago now. And I was brought back like an hour later and it dawned on me today that, you know, normally they bring me back within like 30 seconds to a minute. You know, I might have like five minutes missing time and I can easily blow that off and go, well, I just wasn't paying attention, you know, ADHD or whatever. And suddenly it dawned on me today, damn, I was gone for an hour. Maybe I'm exhausted because I was truly gone for maybe like a week or something. I don't know. I do know that I feel really tired in my back and my neck 
my hips, all of my joints in my body are aching. Maybe it's because I've been eating bread and I am not used to eating bread, or maybe it has to do with that, or maybe we have some ascension symptoms, or possibly it's going to rain in the next few hours. But no matter the cause, I wanted to mention it in case you two are having mental fogginess and tiredness and you feel like you want to take cosmic naps and you're just like what is happening because this is crazy you know like why am I so tired unable to function barely getting anything done it's like 12 hours went by and it felt like an hour you know um, if you're going through that it's probably because of the ascension symptoms you know um, so give yourself some space and grace and also for other people you know just allow other people to feel um, like you're being patient with them and that you're accepting them in spite of their strangeness right now I mean I just feel like everything is Strange. Nothing feels real. I feel um, we might just be to hopping timeline after timeline. I don't even know. I've been feeling overwhelmed with the simplest of things. Lack of clarity in some ways. Like lack of... Um, I'm making no sense of like things on Instagram. Like I'll try to read a sentence and I don't get it. Try to read a book and I'm not getting it. Try to watch a show. I'm not somehow not able to pay attention, but I've noticed that I have incredible amounts of clarity when I just sit in silence and I close my eyes and I focus on my inner world and I connect with God and I open and expand and follow this energy with um, communion, quiet communion with God or when I'm having conversations with God. Everything seems clear when I'm inward. The outside world, outside of my mind, has been absolute chaos. Even though it hasn't really been. It's not like my son is doing anything chaotic, even though (laughs) usually he is. But lately, we've been getting along really well. We've been um, just baking bread together and having a really lovely time together, actually. But I've been feeling this strange sense of disconnect for about 48 hours, the past 48 hours, with the world, with um, with others, with everything. Even though I'm loving other people, I'm not. I'm very impersonal. I feel like right now I'm in the world, but not really of it, and barely in the world as it is. You know, being on quarantine and whatever. So if you're feeling these sorts of things, you're not alone. And there's a lot of people that have mentioned these kinds of energies of just feeling strange and disconnected. Um, You know, and there's a lot of conflicting readings for divine feminine and divine masculine. And usually, I mean, I have like five or six different people that have readings every day for divine masculine or divine feminine. And usually they're all confirming each other's story. Like it's usually they pretty much say the same thing. Like they'll pull the cards and they're getting the same cards or very similar cards. And it's been really trippy. It's like, oh wow, they're all really reading 
these energies correctly. At least I know for me what they're saying about divine feminine has been real for me. And then divine masculine, they've been saying he's been confused, doubting the connection, feeling kind of connected with, um, past failed loves, not really connected with them, but still not a hundred percent over there, over it, a little bit angry over, um, the way things worked out, you know, and I can't say that's true for all divine masculines, but if it resonates, then maybe, you know, but, and I'm wondering, and I was thinking today too, this is another thing. What if you, um, do a message for the collective and it resonates with them? I'm thinking that means because they're your tribe. And what if you do a message for the collective and it doesn't resonate with you, you know, with the people they're listening, maybe because they're in the wrong tribe. They're that's not their tribe. That's, I was thinking about that today that, cause I've seen readings that are just like, um, no, that's not even close at all with what's happening. That's so strange. And then I run across other people who every single thing they say is a hundred percent true. It's like, Oh my God. It's like you live with me and you've been spying on me. <laughs> you know, some of the, some of the readings have been so accurate that it brought tears to my eyes. And, um, so it's very strange. It's, it, and I wonder if it's because they're, uh, truly tapping into my tribe. You know what I mean? So that, those are some, those are some thoughts I've had today, but for the most part, I've been really sleepy, really unable to focus foggy. Um, I don't know, just really kind of out of it. I took a nap earlier for hours. I slept like seven and a half hours, you know, after I released the show a little bit late, but okay. A lot of it late, but I got it done and I, I slept enough. I woke up just absolutely exhausted. My son and I had amazing coffee today. We had a, a really, really great, um, he made me pan, he made me pancakes. So when I woke up, there was pancakes. It was pretty awesome. But, um, so I ate a lot of wheat. Maybe that's why I felt out of it. I don't know. I know that when you, um, eat bread, it releases all the neurotransmitters and endorphins in your brain, the same exact ones are triggered as if you've done heroin. That's why when you eat bread, you feel so good. That's why pizza is considered a fun food. <laughs> you eat pizza and you feel fantastic. You know, I don't know about you guys. I have fun foods and I have foods that, you know, I just won't eat if, if I'm sad. If I'm really depressed, I feel like I cannot even eat popcorn or ice cream. Those are happy foods for me. And I associate it with being extremely happy, ecstatic, filled with joy, feeling so much love, being in the flow. And if I'm really sad or depressed or angry, I can't even go near those foods. It's so strange. Do you guys have happy foods? Do you have the foods that are just like if you're depressed, that's what, that's your go-to. And if you're happy, that's what you want to eat. I don't know. I don't know if I have a depressed food. I feel like steak is associated with happiness and the feelings of abundance, like having a nice juicy steak. And I'm sorry if you're a vegan and that's gross to you, but 
that's the way I grew up. I mean, my dad, on the days that we had enough money and we weren't super poor, (laughs) the day, you know, the weeks that my dad was able to collect money, he was a a roofer and he only worked, um, like about four or five months a year. And then the rest of the year he didn't have, sometimes we would have extra money left over because it was a good summer. And sometimes it was a lean year, you know, sometimes. And when he was able to make a steak on the barbecue, that was like, this is a good day. We're happy. We've got money. We're safe. This is, this is good. And we would always have the the gratitude towards the animal we were consuming. And we were having gratitude in general that we had money. We feel like we're okay. We're all right. And, um, so for me, that's like that, that's kind of an energy I have. Like when, when you have steak, it's, it's because you're you're good. Everything's fine. You're, everything's good. But, um, coffee is my ritual. I don't know. Do you guys have foods that are meaningful to you in an emotional way? Do you have emotional attachments to food? You know, I feel, I think when I'm really, really stressed, I do have, and I haven't had this in forever. <laughs> if you, if any of you decide to come to Ecuador and you want to meet up, please bring red licorice <laughs> and Swedish fish. I love the red Swedish fish. I like all of the colors, but if I ever bought a, a bag of it and it's with the colored Swedish fish, I also have to buy the red Swedish fish also because I always have to have the extra red ones. But the red dye makes you, um, it takes care of pain and inflammation in the body. It's really trippy, which is ironic because sugar will make your um, body feel uh, more inflamed usually. But um, when I was really, really stressed, oh my God, I couldn't get enough red candy. When I had a lot of work to do and I was working 60 to 80 hour weeks, sometimes as a merchandiser, Cause I worked in a bunch of different, um, bunch of different stores. I had a route and I was driving all the time between stores and thank you God, I got paid uh, pretty good money just to drive. So I would drive the speed limit <laughs> and not over or I would, and I would, I would go home and look up on Google how many minutes it's supposed to take me to get there. <laughs> you know, and I, but I, I was paid for that time. They knew how much. You know, if it's supposed to take you 30 minutes to get to a city, I got 30 minutes worth of pay. Even if it took me 15 and I broke the law getting there. <laughs> but but I loved that job and I had a great time, but sometimes I get stressed and I was always eating that red candy. Have to have the Swedish fish. Have to have the red licorice. Have to have the red ropes and the Twizzlers both. <laughs> and sometimes I get the chocolate licorice. I ate a lot of candy back then. And then I would alternate that with like six months to a year every other year when I just didn't eat any sugar at all. And I had a perfect diet just so I could get back on my health track. But it's probably a good thing. I don't have a lot of access to the outside world right now. And there is no licorice. There is no Swedish fish in this country. So maybe I'm a little bit healthier. I tend to turn towards, um, fruit or, you know, on my junk food days, I might get a bag, a little bag of Doritos or chips, but I always get um, like cranberry juice. Here they've got stuff with minimal, um, like they put apple juice in it with and no sugar, you know, grapefruit juice and whatever. But um, 
Yeah, so I don't know, but I've been feeling this fogginess, this tiredness. I've been feeling like I want to wrap myself in a blanket and lay in front of a, a warm fire. I don't know if you ever, if you guys ever have these kind of feelings of you just want to be comforted and you want to be warmed by the the energy of a fire. And I I've been wishing for a couple of days that my twin and I were together already, so I could feel his arms wrapped around me, and that we could be together. And I feel like he's been going through something emotional big time. And this might be in the whole collective, uh, where the divine masculines are just maybe feeling like, why am I having feelings for somebody I've never met? Why am I having these crazy conversations in my head with somebody I can't see? Why are, am I going through these, uh, feelings of, I don't really want anyone else anymore. I don't really want a relationship with someone random. You know, and also, uh, they're going through massive spiritual awakenings. And my, um, divine feminine collective, my instincts on this, based on what I've read from other people, as well as my own feelings is that we're just getting on with it. We're accepting our twin, whether they want to be with us right now or not, if they're ready or not. In the meantime, we have some things to complete. We're a little bit on our path of getting our house in order so that our twin can come into our life. You know, and I feel an antsiness in general in everybody as uh, some of the quarantines start to wind down and it looks like we might be able to legally and freely roam about our cities um, soon. And then some people's quarantines are being extended. So you think, yay, May 4th, oh my God. And then let's extend it two weeks. You know, because maybe we're not ready for it. And those kinds of energies, it's like it's conflicting. And it's, you know, the idea of, oh, thank God, I'm going to have freedom. I'm going to put, I'm going to walk around on the grass in the park barefoot. I want to go feed the ducks in the river in the park here. That's me. That's my thoughts. Some of you are thinking, I want to go out in the sunshine. I want to go smell the flowers. Instead of just walking my dog out in my backyard, I want to walk him, you know, to the park or to the beach. You know, a lot of, I don't have a dog, but that's probably what a lot of you are thinking, if you have animals. But everyone's looking forward to having that freedom again. Like, thank God, and that normalcy. But... I don't think we're ever going to go back to normal. I think there's going to be a lot of shifts and changes. A lot of people have been talking on um, social media about learning how to do poultices and tinctures and old world style medicine, um, like salves, you know, like uh, I think a lot of people are, are kind of getting back to the basics and we're making our own bread. That didn't take long. (laughs) I mean, how many of you are baking bread right now or thinking about doing it? And you're like, this is weird. I've never done this before. Or, you know, I haven't done it in 20 years, but suddenly here I am in the kitchen baking in a way I never considered I would. You know, how many of you are 
not really missing driving around and how many of you are not really missing going out all the time and spending your money on various things like from drinking in a bar to, you know, um, just being bored and going to do all the different activities outside your home that cost money. I'm kind of grateful. I mean, when this whole quarantine started on March 17th and now we're in May, I had like $180 and I've paid for my groceries with my credit card, but I'm my bank card, but, um, I think I have $110 left. Now, normally I would have spent $600 by now, (laughs) maybe 900 actually just my kid, you know, going around on the bus and needing $10 for this and $20 for that, you know, going out with his friends, going out to eat, ordering food, having all these restaurants deliver food for us. I mean, that's something that we've been doing probably too much of. And now we're cooking at home every single day. I mean, I'd probably save $500 on that alone. (laughs) And all all I've spent my money on is weed. (laughs) On two deliveries of weed. That's all I've spent my money on in the past, like, month and a half. (laughs) I don't think I spent on, I think maybe one little $60 thing of groceries or, but that was even before, so it was like, I had more than $180 then. So yeah, I don't know. Things are changing. Things have changed. I saw an airplane in the sky today. Shocked me. Haven't seen an airplane in six weeks. And we don't have a lot anyway. We only have like maybe six flights a day in and out of the city. It's not a lot. We don't live too far from the airport. So we get to see all the takeoffs and landings. And we saw this little 172 in the air, this little private plane. That was a trip. We're like, whoa, whoa, that's really trippy. We're not used to seeing that. After two o'clock today, no one's been on the road. I think maybe one police car and one ambulance, you know, in the past 10 hours. It's like just people don't really... They don't go anywhere anymore. I don't know if it's going to change. I mean, when it goes off, is it going to be crowded outside? Are we all going to be like, oh, thank effing God. And then just standing out in the sun, are we all going to go hugging each other? <laughs> I mean, I wonder what's going to be like, or are we all going to be shy and not wanting to talk to anyone? Or are we just going to, what are we going to do? Are we all going to just continue on in our homes? And I think this is rather nice being able to have a hot tea and research stuff on the computer, take a nap when I want, walk around my house in my pajamas all day. Do you guys get dressed because you want to feel better? You want to feel like something's happening in your life? The first couple weeks, my son and I were just in our pajamas and then we started getting dressed again. Like, yeah. I mean, every now and again, my son will dress up. He'll even put a coat on. Like he wants to go outside, he'll put his hat and coat on and walk around the house for a little bit. He's like, I just want to feel the excitement of wearing my nice clothes, mom. He's like, I I just need this feeling. 
he misses his friends. He's been on Facebook a lot. But he says, I don't care. I'll stay stay inside another month, if not three months, just to make sure we're going to be safe. And it's like funny how quickly people change. Even the extroverts are changing. It's very strange. All right, before I get into the space weather news stuff, I wanted to let you guys know that yesterday it started the You Can Heal Your Life Summit by Hay House. This is going to be free and it is for the next 15 days. And what they their format is, is they put out about, I would have to say about 16, 15 or 16 hours worth of information. And then you have two days to access it. And then they cut those off and then they release another 15 hours of lectures or talks information. I'm in the middle of one called Nature of Reality, a dialogue with Deepak Chopra and Kat Graham. And this is so deep. Deepak Chopra is really intelligent and he's talking about quantum mechanics and it's really deep. I was listening to this earlier and I fell asleep like in a deep, deep, deep sleep and it kept playing. So I have no idea what I know now, (laughs) what my subconscious mind was able to discern and listen to and hear, but I have to rewind it and listen to it later. But this is really interesting stuff on emotional healing and consciousness and all aspects of spirituality, contacting your angels, all kinds of stuff. So I wanted to let you guys know, you can go and join this for absolutely free. And this is the website. You can heal your life summit. That's summit is spelled S U M M I T. You can heal your life summit.com. This is through Hay house spelled H A Y, um, which is a publisher, uh, from Louise Hay, God bless her soul. She, she passed away, but, um, she had that book called you can heal your life. Very famous book. I highly recommend it. I used to have three different versions of it and every version was just as more. Each version was more beautiful than the last. Every single version of that book is excellent. And, um, it's talking about all the different things that go on in your body as a result of you ignoring your emotions. And she has everything down. Like if you have warts on your finger, that means you hate yourself. Like that's secret self hate. You've got to like figure it out to get rid of the warts, you know, um, stuff like that. Like, you know, acne, you know, picking on yourself, um, stuff like that. It's really interesting. So I highly recommend the book. If you've never heard of it, go check it out. He, you can heal your life.com. I mean, you can heal your life is a book, but you can heal your life. Summit.com is where you can go listen to all of these lectures. There's movies, um, you know, like documentaries or like, you know, so you can watch a video or you can listen to the audio and it's the same, you know, whatever, whatever format floats your fancy. That's the one you want to do. So like this one is a 69 minute lecture. Or, or a conversation with Deepak Chopra and it's about quantum healing and quantum mechanics and it's like really deep it's really really deep so 
you know, I wanted to bring that up because it's cool. It's, you know, spiritual. I love hearing all the different perspectives of things. So, um, so spaceweather.com, solar wind speed is 327.9 kilometers per second. That's quite a bit faster than yesterday. Still kind of on the low side. Um, we're still, um, having three, uh, earth facing sunspots. We have sunspot 35 that has appeared a couple days ago. And so that's pretty cool. Let's see here. Um, what else is on here? Ulu neutron counts remain at very high level in the past 48 hours. It's gone down 0.5%. So it's at 10.4%. Still like yesterday, the same. Not, not a big change there. The All Sky Fireball Network has noticed that there were 15 fireballs over the United States today. And uh, remember that there is solar wind that will be here on Monday that will get here because it flew out of the coronal hole of the sun that was facing Earth. So it should be here like Monday in this in the space, um, not space weather. The solar winds is not, it's not terribly, that's why it's taken so long to get here. But we were, we're going to feel a lot more waves of energy come our way. So just be prepared. Have a calm day on uh, Monday. 58 is the Schumann Resonance, according to DisclosureNews.it. At least in Italy, it's 58 hertz frequency. So it's kind of like a round bell. It's like a bell in a column shape. And it's been doing this pattern. It's like bell, then column, then bell, then column. And someone pointed that out on Instagram. So I thought that was an interesting observation. But 58, it's pretty strong, but it's, you know, I don't know what's going on in the rest of the world. Because I talked to somebody at heartmath.org and... They told me that they're in the process of of moving their massive website over to a brand new server. So that was the first thing we talked about. And so they're hoping that within a week it'll be up and running. So we might be without Schumann Resonance News from these other six cities for up to another week. Hopefully they'll get it done quickly. Now that's going on and I asked them about the six other stations they're trying to get in place and they said it takes fifty thousand dollars per station so if you want to donate to heartmath.org you can you don't have to but i wanted to let you guys know that because i thought that was very very interesting and would explain why there's not a lot more of these going on but what they do is they take the schumann resonance information from places that are very very isolated so that it's not a lot of other types of interferences in the equipment. So then they have to set up the equipment and then they have to pay somebody to monitor the equipment and put the data in every single day. And I think that might be why it's so, it's taking so long to get the other six up as well as um, probably why it's not happening all over the world. That's why we don't have a hundred of these numbers coming out. You know, um, I asked them about it because I thought, well, I would love to do this. So what does it take? 
They told me that. I'm like, okay. There is a $40,000 beach house I've got my eye on, a four-bedroom house with an above-ground pool. (laughs) It's made from bamboo, and it has a gorgeous view of the ocean. And that's $10,000 less than putting in a Schumann Resonance Station. So, hmm, which one would I choose? You know what I mean? It's it's kind of expensive. All right. (laughs) I thought that was very strange, though. I would love to have my own station and be able to say, guess what, guys? Schumann Resonance here in Ecuador is blah, blah, blah. I would love to have that information. Anyway, uh, let's move on with it. We are in um, A Course in Miracles. We're on Lesson 287 today. And you can find the Foundation for Inner Peace website at acim.org. And here we go. Lesson 287 is, You are my goal, my Father. Only you. You are my goal, my Father. Only you. Where would I go but heaven? What could be a substitute for happiness? What gift could I prefer before the peace of God? What treasure would I seek and find and keep that can compare with my identity? And would I rather live with fear than love? You are my goal, my father. But what, I'm I'm sorry, what but you could I desire to have? What way but that which leads to you could I desire to walk? And what except the memory of you could signify to me the end of dreams and futile substitutions for the truth? You are my only goal. Your son would be as you created him. What way but this could I expect to recognize myself and be at one with my identity. You are my goal, my father, only you. Again, that's lesson 287 found at ACIM.org, which stands for, of course, A Course in Miracles. All right, guys, I'm going to take a quick break. And when I come back, We're going to go over the earth changes, all the things that are going on in the world this past week. We're probably going to start with a coronavirus update. I forgot that last week. Um, I'm going to take a quick break. We're going to go over that. And we got some strange news. I'm probably going to just read from coasttocoastam.com because they had some really funny and strange ones this week. All right, stick around. We're going to get to the Earth Changes Report right after this message. Changes like turning off the tap while brushing your teeth in the bathroom. 
It's Friday, and therefore, time for the Earth Changes Report and the weekly Weird World News. So, I usually go to Watchers.News. They have a pretty good, reliable reporting system. And since the last Friday, we've had a solid two pages worth of news. So, let's get to it. There was a shallow 6.3 earthquake which hit off the coast of Bougainville Island in Papua New Guinea on the 25th, so basically last Saturday. And the agency reported a depth of 10.5 miles, 17 kilometers. So that is a very shallow quake, man. I hope the people there are okay. Might want to send... Papua New Guinea, energy of calm. Now the next one is the, about the Ecuadorian 
space agency uh i guess earlier they had confirmed on earth day that a meteorite had hit the guayas parish in el palme but it I mean, even caused panic among the residents power outages and everything but experts from the ecuadorian space agency did rule out a meteorite impact i don't know what it was but we're going to keep moving on um all right i'm curious about but i'm nowhere near that i don't know what i mean why us and why kill are the two places um where the coronavirus has been massively affecting the population. So let's just send some love and calm and healing energy to these places. Okay, uh, large asteroid um, will fly by Earth on the 29th. Well, that's already happened, so. <laughs> um, it says it was discovered at Haleakala, Hawaii on the 24th of July 1998 by NASA and the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. But it was about 3.9 million miles from us, so obviously didn't impact, or I wouldn't be reading this article. <laughs> One E forms as the earliest East Pacific tropical depression on record. They literally named it 1E. Like O-N-E dash E. <sighs> Couldn't have named it George or Albert or Betty. Nothing. <sighs> so annoying. Anyway, a tropical depression. Does that mean you're just going to feel super hot, sweaty, and sad? What is a tropical depression? Anyway, it formed off the coast of Baja, California in the Eastern Pacific Ocean, known as, I mean, doesn't say even known, where did I get that? That's weird. The earliest East Pacific Ocean Tropical Depression on record, which was the 25th of April, because usually the season starts from May 15th and goes through November 30th. So, I guess the East Pacific Ocean is what's on the inside of Baja, California. That's what us Californians call it. Of course, people who actually live in Mexico call it Baja, Mexico. <laughs> um, I've been there. I've, I've been, I stayed two weeks there doing research uh, for an oceanography class once in Bahia de Los Angeles. And what a beautiful, wild, super humid, super hot place to be. I loved it. Went snorkeling for the first time in my life. I don't even swim very well, but I just, I had the time of my life. Of course, when weird fish would come up that freaked me out, I would scream underwater so people are always making fun of me. <laughs> I mean, I'd like let out blood curdling screams and people would hear it through my snorkel. <laughs> One time this, this fish that was probably six feet long and five feet tall. It was bigger than I am. And it looked like a giant silver dollar. And it just kind of went next to me, floated next to me, really silent. And I looked up in this massive wall of fish and its giant eye 
was looking at me curiously and I freaked out and I started screaming and everybody else saw it and they're like that fish was so cool and they were all into it and I mean I got out of the water I was freaked out I couldn't get back in the water for like two days people were like what is wrong with you I'm like that scared the shit out of me <laughs> but that is the eastern Pacific meaning basically it's water that flows from the Pacific Ocean, but into this massive bay on, you know, it's like a long, Baja is like a really long finger of land, and on the inside, on the eastern Pacific side, is where the largest whales on Earth uh, migrate to, to breed. It's a breeding ground for whales, and it's not just them, a lot of other big um, mammals go, like there was a lot of dolphins there. <clears throat> a lot of sea lions. I mean, used to be a lot of sharks until the people there in the area fished them all out. So there's no more sharks. It's um, just like for mammals that are pretty safe for the most part. But it was pretty neat to wake up at three and four in the morning just to hear the sounds of the whales in the water, but you could hear it on land. And then we'd wake up and go watch and they would be breaching they'd be like going up out of the water and slamming back down and it was a really incredible place I I mean seriously if you've got a week or two it's cheap to live there you know for a week or two it's hot as hell though and they literally shut the electricity off at nine o'clock and you don't have electricity until six o'clock the next morning and that's every day I think the water is the same way they don't they shut off the water and the electricity you know, it's a very poor little town in Mexico, and it's one of those places that is just pretty much ignored by modern society. And if you have a medical issue, it might take a week to two weeks for the doctor to get to you because he's servicing like 10 or 20 different towns, little tiny, you know, outcroppings. And it was, it was an interesting place, but I met the doctor and he was really really cool he went to medical school in Los Angeles in California and then now he works in Bahia de Los Angeles in Baja California or basically Mexico but it's like a 12-hour drive there from San Diego you just cross the border and you drive 12 hours south just across the hottest damn desert ever but it was interesting. I liked I liked uh, being there. Wouldn't want to live there, but yeah, that's crazy. So anyway, next next story: uh, lava flow and phreatic bursts and collapse of the loose slag material at Klyuchevskoy volcano in Russia. That's crazy. So they also had strombolian activity and volcanism or Vulcanian activity observed and the aviation color there remains orange and they still have lava flows going down the side of the southeastern flank of that volcano so we'll keep an eye on that and maybe next week there'll be more exciting news we'll see um, there's another asteroid that's going to fly by there's a lot of asteroids I'm not going to read that they're not going to affect us we'll be fine maybe energetically but they're not going to impact, so we're just going to ignore that right now. Um, again, with Australian news, boy, 
Cold blasts to sweep across parts of Australia and Melbourne expects the coldest day in April since 1960. They've had cold, wet, rainy conditions and very windy with heavy rains. And this will be the coldest day in April in 60 years. So if you feel like sending bright, warm sun towards Australia, I'm sure they're not going to complain about it. More than 100,000 people have been affected by a once-in-a-generation flood in Yemen. They had torrential rains, and I guess it's just, yeah, they were displaced from their homes, you know, normal stuff. They had destructive flash flooding, according to the United Nations Office of the Resident Coordinator and Humanitarian Coordinator, and they were reporting these massive floods in Yemen. It looks like the tires are about half deep. You know, it's not... I mean, in California, I've seen floods that were people that were, like, almost six feet tall were up to their necks in water while standing on top of their cars. So, you know, this isn't too bad. It looks like it's about a, a foot of rain. But... In Yemen, it doesn't happen often, so the ground is so dry, it just doesn't doesn't really soak up the water easily or quickly. So, uh, let's send sunshine to Yemen. Let's imagine people's backs are feeling warm, they feel good, there's no more flooding, the ground is getting drier. It's a good, it's a good way to, uh, good energy to send to them. A 5.6 earthquake hits near Te'anau. Seismologists say no relevance to the Alpine Fault in New Zealand. I don't know, maybe it's, I don't know how to pronounce this. Uh, T E and then A N A U. Te Anau, Anu, Anau, I don't know. But basically, it was 67 kilometers or 42 miles deep, hit near the South Island in New Zealand, and it was a 5.6. So, yeah, that's. That's not terribly shallow, but I'm sure they felt it. The USGS reported it as being 49 miles deep. So, and that they reported it being a 4.9. So it's between a 4.9 and a 5.6. Still, that's nothing to sneeze at. That could do a little bit of damage. Probably knock some dishes off the counters. So there was an earthquake swarm in Campi Flegrie area in Italy near the Pischiarelli Fumarol at the Solfatara crater in Italy on Sunday. It was 34 tremors, the magnitudes of which were 3.1, um, up to 3.1, and the depths were 0.6 to 1.2 miles. So very shallow, very mild earthquakes. But the fact that there's a swarm might mean more activity is coming. So if you live in Campi Flegrie in Italy, please, please be warned. There were widespread devastating floods that hit Morocco. They say massive and destructive floods hit on April 24th, turning streets and roads into raging rivers. In Yosufia, Damages were reported as waters 
ripped through neighborhoods. Traffic was brought to a complete halt in most of the urban roads in the city there in Morocco. So let's send them some sunshine, as well as more sunshine sent to Swabi, Pakistan. They had hail storms that ravaged the standing crops, and their intense rains were accompanied by strong winds and hail that lashed the standing crops in Swabi in the Khyber Pakhtunkhwa, Pakistan area. The affected crops included tobacco, wheat, fruits, and vegetables. And there was severe weather in other areas of Pakistan as well. So let's send them some sunshine. Yet another asteroid that will be flying by. We're going to skip that one. Back-to-back fireball events were recorded over the country of Brazil within 24 hours. And the first fireball was seen over Minas Gerais. And... I don't know. I'm not going to read the whole article. Basically, they had fireball events and they got them captured on video, which is pretty neat. Intense rains have triggered deadly flash floods in Ethiopia and also Somalia. 83,000 people have been displaced from their homes. And in the fourth week of April, they had a significant increase in rainfall. So let's just send some love and sunshine energy to both Ethiopia as well as Somalia. A massive terrifying terrifying sandstorm hit the provinces of Yazd and Rafsanjan in central Iran on Sunday the 26th. The storm occurred at dawn with wind speed reaching up to 130 kilometers per hour or 81 miles per hour. So a witness said that the day turned into night there when the giant, gigantic sandstorm covered the entire sky. 32,000 people have been displaced by ongoing rains in Kenya. Flooding and mudslide death toll has risen now to 29 people so I guess there we can send them some sunshine also as well as love looks like they probably are going through a lot emotionally over there that sounds crazy huh heavy rains have triggered floods in Najran Saudi Arabia in the southwestern part of the country The rains were dumped by a storm system from the Mediterranean Sea, which had merged with a cold front and it brought wet, windy conditions from Turkey all the way to Saudi Arabia. So send sunshine to Saudi Arabia. That sounds funny because usually it's very hot and sunny there. Researchers take pulse of sleeping super volcano with magma molten for millions of years. Oh, wow, this is interesting. So, Uppsala University researchers discovered how a supervolcano in the Andes Mountains on the border with Chile, Argentina, and Bolivia holds molten magma 
for millions of years without fully solidifying or erupting. So, uh, if you want to read the rest of that article, that looks really scary and also interesting. That's on Watchers.News on page one if you wanted to read it in the next three days. Otherwise, page two within a week. You could go check that one out. All right. Government panel warns of an M9 earthquake and a tsunami as high as 30 meters or 98 feet could strike northern Japan and Iwate in the northeast. If this 9 magnitude earthquake occurs off the Pacific coast, so that's pre- pretty much the worst case scenario this government panel um, had warned. You know, they're saying if there's a mega earthquake, you know, off the coast of Japan, it could be be pretty deadly for the town of Hokkaido so let's hope that does not happen send calm energy over there the Ebeko volcano covered Severo Kurilsk in ash in Russia it was a relatively large explosion and it occurred in Paramushir Island in Russia and the aviation color code remains orange today. So I don't know where how far the plume reached, so we're going to go check that out. So I guess it was 12,000 feet is the ash plume. I had to pause that for a minute and go to the whole article there. But 3,658 meters above sea level is how much the ash went up into the air over there in Russia. So... I guess we could send them some energy of clear air, breathing in pure air. Torrential rains have aggravated situation in areas that were still affected by tropical cyclone Harold in Fiji. They had widespread flooding and landslides. And the country's National Disaster Management Office had been issuing warnings since the 29th and pretty much, I guess, urging residents to move or be prepared. How can you prepare for that? I don't know. New study suggests laws of nature are not as constant as they previously believed. A study by researchers from the University of New South Wales suggests that the laws of nature are not as constant constant. It may break down at the edge of the universe and will make it slightly easier, possibly, to bend the laws of the universe. Well, this looks interesting. If you want to read this, it might be worth further study. That's on Watchers.News. So, Comet Atlas was caught on camera, I guess, by the Hubble telescope. And they found that it had crumbled into 25 different pieces. And then later, about 30 fragments were identified. Oh, I guess on the third... Okay, no, I'm sorry. On the 20th of April, 30 fragments had been identified. But then by three days later, the telescope only found 25. 
But if you want to go check out the pictures of this, they have a very sharp view of Comet Atlas disintegrating into bright blue pieces all over the sky. Maybe you don't want to call it sky. Maybe outer space, because it's not technically our sky, by the way. All right, the Czech Republic has been facing a catastrophic drought. This is the country's worst drought in 500 years. Their uh, harvest and supply of water has been threatened, according to the environmental minister, Richard Brayback. So I think we should send some rain to the Czech Republic, take it away from the flooding areas, and give them a little bit of rain. Study shows that the ground might start to wobble months prior to a giant earthquake. So a strange reversal of ground motion occurred prior to two of the biggest earthquakes in history. That's, um, so basically if your ground starts to wobble a little bit for a couple months, a big one might be coming. So be prepared. According to the weekly volcanic activity report, two new volcanoes became, um, active There were already 14 going on, so that makes a whopping total of 16 volcanoes. And what is normal for the world at any given time is 21 or less, so we're good. Um, Comet Swan has been rapidly brightening. It's now visible to the naked eye, so that's pretty cool. You could go outside on a clear night and spot it in the sky. It is... 71 million miles away from Earth, or 115 million kilometers, and has a magnitude brightness of 6.0. And it kind of shows up like a bright fuzzball. It's kind of a blue-green, emerald green. Very beautiful. With a long, pale blue tail. Alright, so ongoing floods now in Kenya have displaced 100,000 families and claimed 116 lives. So let's just send some soothing balm, good energy towards Kenya, to the people who lost their loved ones, as well as sending them some rain. And that might uh, might help them a little bit. Um, they say that 29 counties have been affected by the severe weather there. So yeah, let's just send some love and light over there. Now, there has been a bright fireball that has streaked across the skies in the French Antilles, lit up the night skies between Martinique to as far as north of Anguilla and as far west as Puerto Rico. This was according to the American Meteor Society. They received seven phone calls about it. Very, very interesting. A little bit of a picture there if you want to go check it out on watchers.news. In India, there was severe hailstorms that wreaked havoc across the country, destroying homes as well as crops. 795 houses are cons- confirmed um, in by the, by the Disaster Management and Rehabilitation Minister Lachamiliana on the 29th of April 
pretty much 250,000 hectares or 618,000 acres were affected. So, oh, it's just sent some energy of, of creativity as well as um, the ability to recover quickly to India so they could get through this and let's send them some sunshine. Melbourne records the wettest April. They need sunshine in Australia. So the wettest April since 1960, what they thought of a few days before, well, it's absolutely happened now. They've gotten 5.4 inches of rain in April. And this is the city's wettest April since 1960 when 7.8 inches were recorded. This is unseasonably uh, low temperatures there right now and they did get across the upper um, elevations 19.7 inches of snow so sunshine in Melbourne is needed records tumble as a cold blast has swept across Australia they say a cold front is sweeping across Australia following its fifth warmest April on record the Bureau of Meteorology said parts of Victoria are set to experience their coldest start to May. In New South Wales, they were hit with blizzard conditions and below freezing temperatures. So let's send them some sunshine. And last but not least, for the stories of earth changes, there were intense rains, powerful winds, and sandstorms wreaking havoc in Qatar. So basically, this happened over the past several days. Severe storms destroyed a field hospital in the Umm Salal area north of Doha. And they just they just built this field hospital field hospital 2 weeks ago specifically for accommodating coronavirus patients. So let's send love and blessings to Qatar and a lot of sunshine. I want to make sure that was coronavirus victims. Yeah, it was. Okay. Or patients with coronavirus. So, as of May 1st, they had a total of 14,096 COVID-19 cases. So, there you have it. That's the Earth Changes news for the week. We're going to go ahead and talk about the corona, uh, coronavirus update. So, as of right now, there have been reported 3.4 million 1,351 cases of coronavirus. So, out of that, only 239,000 615 people have died. So, um, let's see here. Trying to get the page to load. This is really up to date. Now, last week, actually it was Monday, we reported that it had gone from 21 to 20% of the people have died, the people with an outcome to the disease. I don't trust it when they say only 3% die because it's not true. That means that the greater majority of the people haven't had an outcome yet. So I like to look at the closed cases and it actually changed this week. Um, last week was 21. This week it's 18% are dying. So it, it 
took a turn in our favor, which is good to know. Now, the United States is number one as far as having the most cases in the world. And there's 3.4 million cases in the world. One third of them were in the United States with 1.1 million 31,452 total cases. Today, 422 new cases were tested. Now, these are the only the people that have been tested. I mean, they, they think up to 30% more people actually have the disease and just aren't being tested. So, And, and that's like worldwide. In the U.S. so far, there's been 65,776 deaths from coronavirus. And as you recall, they were saying between 36,000 and 56,000 people died from the flu. And this is already like almost 10,000 more from coronavirus alone. So eventually people will start to take it seriously. I hope it's just not too late. So, um, you know, 65,000 deaths plus almost 66,000 deaths in the U.S. In Spain, they had 24,824 deaths. In Italy, they had 28,236 deaths. Now, in Spain and Italy, the U.K., France, Germany, Turkey, Russia, and Iran, there have been no new cases and no new deaths for today. So that feels a little bit encouraging. Maybe the curve is flattening. Peru had a sharp rise. I think they've doubled the cases. Now they have more than 40,000 cases. And a friend of mine who lives in Lima wrote me this week and told me that 20,000 people were arrested and put in jail in Lima. 20,000 because they were violating the quarantine. So, pretty interesting, right? So, Ecuador remains at 26,000 cases. 26,336 cases. We have no new deaths and no new cases, but they're only reporting 1,063 deaths, but we know that's 1,800 because 800 people were uh, found dead in their homes in Guayaquil, and there was no testing done so we don't know what they really died of so but there's only been 71,000 tests given out in 26,000 cases so I don't know what I've learned or what I've noticed is that usually in all the tests that are given in a particular area about one-third to one-fourth of the people actually test positive for coronavirus so If you think you have it, chances are you don't. And if you do have it, chances are you're going to survive. And that is the coronavirus news for today. If they do say still that it's the same. Oh, no, actually two new countries have it now. In 212 countries and territories around the world, as well as two international conveyances, meaning ships with people on them they're still the ships are still there waiting for the people to recover crazy right alright so let's go to the coast to coast AM news we're going to start with this one that I thought was interesting 
There is a haunted house available in Louisiana for absolutely free. (laughs) They tried to sell the residence, but it proved futile because it's a haunted house. Nobody wanted to live there. So they went on Facebook and offered this unbelievable offer on this two-story, four-bedroom home in the community of Yunsville. But the site, the, the posting on Facebook, they didn't quite feel like mentioning the spooky reputation. And so people responded to the announcement and they were reportedly revealing that the house is seemingly home to a ghost of an old woman who has frequently made her presence felt. According to Dawn Vallot de Clout, she explained that she used to live in the home. She believes that the spirit might be that of her great-grandmother Adele. She says she's not menacing at all. The woman was a mere four feet tall, four foot nine inches tall, and weighed about 100 pounds. According to Dawn, her great-grandmother had a peculiar habit of always digging into the pots. Like when you have something on the stove and someone goes in and looks into the pot and starts stirring it around. Now, following her passing, the woman's spirit seemingly continues the practice as they say, quote unquote, we used to hear her all the time jangling the pots when we had something on the stove. You can hear somebody picking up the lid, but then you go in and no one's in the kitchen. Meanwhile, other residents of the community chimed in on the Facebook post with their own spooky stories from their time of staying in the home. One person claimed, I experienced three things there that cannot be explained. My friend that lived there had way more than that. Now, you might think that this is quite the steal, especially if you appreciate the paranormal and you might love living with a ghost who's going to make sure you're soup doesn't burn but the deal has got a little catch to it they are not giving away the land they're giving away the residence or the house itself and if you're interested you're gonna have to move the building off the property and they have estimated this cost to be eighty thousand dollars to move the house and you have to of course pay for your own land so We don't know, they say, uh, it's uncertain whether or not Adele would come along with the house once it's been moved. So, get this beautiful haunted house, you move the house, is Adele attached to the land or the house? Only time will tell. So, on the coasttocoastam.com website, there's another article by Tim Benal, and this is what he writes. In a bizarre bit of local bureaucracy, authorities in a Canadian community ordered the removal of a creepy clown display on a homeowner's property because it was scaring the public. The weird decision reportedly came from the bylaw supervisors in the British Columbia city of Penticton. The issue at hand was a mannequin of a bloody clown that had been sitting in the front yard of a resident's home and they were dubbing it the Penticton Scarecrow. If it was me, I would have called it the Penticton Scare Clown, but that's kind of redundant, is it not? 
scare and clown. I mean, clowns alone are scary as hell. (laughs) I'm glad I don't live in that neighborhood. Following a complaint from an unsettled resident of the city, officials in Penticton met and decreed that they have the right to order the removal of offensive matter considered to be objectionable to the public. Specifically, Penticton Bylaw Services Supervisor Tina Siebert explained that we had a public concern about an offensive clown statue at a private property residence. She went on to say the scary clown had blood on its face and shirt and was perceived as scary to children. Fortunately for those youngsters, the haunting Harlequin is no more as the very graphic clown since has been removed from the property and a sense of peace can envelop the community once again. I don't know, scary to children for me? No, children of all ages. (laughs) You know, from zero to a million. I mean, clowns are scary as hell, man. They just are. So, let me, uh, there's a in coast you missed it section of coast to coast am so i get these in my inbox every now and again i remember to read my email and i see all these articles but they're kind of just like one or two a day so it's kind of cool i didn't know they even have this right now um i guess they're just talking about what was on the show i'm looking at what the thing was uh this one's strange i like this um easily the weirdest story that we saw the in the past week centered around a mischievous individual in england who caused something of a stir by roaming around a village while wearing a plague doctor costume an image of the creepy costume clad person walking around town did wind up on social media and as is custom online sparked a debate whether their antics were funny or frightening local authorities seemingly sided with the latter group announcing that they were looking for the plague doctor in the hopes of warning them about the potential dangers of scaring the public (laughs) i've been wanting a plague mask i've got to be honest i don't know if you've seen these but they're kind of like they're creepy and they're like a long bird beak, but it's something that's been a kind of a part of the underground punk rock culture. So for me, I'm like, that's actually kind of cool because it's weird. I like the weirdness, but you know, when you're an introvert, you're part of the curmudgeon club kind of automatically. You're an honorary member, even if you've never gone to a meeting. <laughs> And as a curmudgeon, it's it's kind of your duty to wear things that will scare people so they stay away from you and they don't engage you in conversation. I mean, uh, is it just me? <laughs> uh, you know, it is what it is. So, President Trump has responded to Pentagon release of UFO videos. Did you see these? They're not terribly impressive. I've seen UFO videos that were more impressive, but they're the, the, the Pentagon released three movies or little video clips of UFOs. And they say 
these are unidentified um, aircraft, basically. So, the official release of three UFO videos by the Pentagon earlier this week spawned headlines around the world and now has even garnered a response from President Trump. The comments reportedly came at the end of an interview with Reuters that was conducted on Wednesday. As the conversation came to a close, the president was asked what he thought of the fantastic footage. I just wonder if it's real. He said, that's a hell of a video. (laughs) And unfortunately, it appears he has no other thoughts on the matter. You know, he just, other than the skepticism... When the Navy released footage last year, he also had similar skepticism. He told George Stephanopoulos that although he trusted the pilots witnessed something out of the ordinary, people say they're seeing UFOs. Do I believe it? Not particularly. In a later interview last summer, Trump touched on the subject again, musing to Tucker Carlson that I'm not a believer, but you know, anything's possible. Meanwhile, the president was not the only prominent politician to weigh in on the footage. So, former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid wrote, I'm glad the Pentagon finally is releasing the footage, but only scratches the surface of research and materials available. The U.S. needs to take a serious scientific look of it, at this and any potential national security implications because the American people deserve to be informed. So, I mean, it, we're being, it's dripped, drip by drip, you know, um, disclosure has happened but not full disclosure not yet so don't hold your breath it might still take a while so let's see if there's anything else um there was a ghost ship apparently floating over the water in new zealand a beach girl in new zealand was left scratching her head when she spotted what appeared to be a ghost ship floating over the water it looks like it's way up like several feet above the water. I think this is an optical illusion when the conditions are just right. There's a lot of things that can hover over the ocean and it looks really freaky, but it's usually just explained by science. And it's like the uh, mist in the air acts as a mirror and creates a bunch of illusions. So this was a very strange one. Uh, Japan has started to develop a plan in case of UFO encounters. So I think, you know, disclosure is imminent, man. In an intriguing development out of Japan, writes Tim Bunnell, the country's defense minister indicated that they intend to develop a plan how they should respond for their armed services or armed forces when they have an encounter with a UFO. The curious revelation was reportedly made by Taro Kono during a press conference on Tuesday. The impetus for the announcement appeared to have been Pentagon's decision to finally release three UFO videos earlier in the week. See, so they have stirred the pot over there. (laughs) And looks like the pot was full of bees. (laughs) Because everyone is buzzing about the UFO videos. In response to the footage, Kono said the country's armed forces would like to establish procedures in the event an encounter is made with a UFO, and they told the media that steps are being taken to formulate a plan of action. 
So he went on to note that although the Japanese Air Force had not had any sightings of unidentified flying objects, they wished to be prepared in the event that such a scenario does occur. So uh, you could go read the rest of the article if you want on Coast to Coast AM. But there's a story that I think is looming. It might be a little bit more interesting even than that. So let's see here. Gotta scroll back down here. Um, that's weird. Suggesting that perhaps the universe has a dark sense of humor. An image of an asteroid set to pass near the Earth later this week appears as if the rocky body is wearing a face mask. <laughs> oh, wow. So that's just, that's hilarious, actually. <laughs> what the heck? All right. Going on the next story. A hat man entity was caught on film at a haunted mansion in St. Louis. St. Louis. I don't know, it's Louis or Louis. Depends on what part of the country. I think it's St. Louis because it's in Missouri. So a curious piece of footage filmed at a notoriously haunted location in St. Louis appears to offer a glimpse of the infamous shadow entity known as the Hat Man. Now, okay, look, I tell you guys, this is an uh, article again by Tim Banal, by the way. So, okay, I gotta tell you guys, my kids both know people who've seen the Hat Man. I think my oldest actually saw him herself or had a dream of him. But they've talked to people on the internet and people in person. And in several countries, they know people who've encountered the Hat Man. So, what the article goes on to say, though... Not everyone is convinced that the video features a genuine supernatural being, but the scene in question was uh, filmed back at the Lemp Mansion in 2011, posted on Reddit last week by a user that claimed it had been recorded by their friend during a ghost hunt. In the video, the camera pans around the room and passes a window with daylight streaming through it, and when the footage sweeps around again, an eerie-looking shadow of what appears to be an individual wearing an old-fashioned hat can briefly be seen. When the spot comes into view again, the spooky figure has seemingly vanished. As one can imagine, the unique attire of the apparent entity has led many observers to conclude that it is indeed the notorious Hat Man shadow being. So... They're saying, some the skeptical observers, of course, say it might be a clever hoax. And it always kind of goes that way, doesn't it? It's like you get footage and then people that either study it or just don't believe it simply claim it's a hoax. So who knows? You're going to have to make up your mind for yourself, I guess, if you go and see it. So there we go. Um... Let's see, what else do we have here on Coast to Coast AM? They've got a lot of goodies this week. So, alright. This one's weird. Thousands of fish have washed ashore on a beach near Acapulco, Mexico. So, the residents had a rush to the location to scoop up the unexpected feast... 
I don't think I'd be eating it. I mean, if, if you lived in a beach town and thousands of fish washed ashore, would you just rush to eat them? Or would you be like, what the hell killed the fish? And will it kill me if I eat it? I mean, that would be my first thought. You know, it might have just been a squall. If there's a bad storm, sometimes that will kill a bunch of fish. But I, you know, a lot of times I see something like that and I go, mm mm. No, I, I'm not going to eat those animals because I feel like there's something that killed them and it might be radiation, might be poisoning. We don't know what it is. Why would we subject ourselves to that? Very weird, right? So an Indonesian official's headline making decision to house coronavirus quarantine breaking individuals in a haunted house has been a rather clever tactic when it comes to convincing residents to adhere to the lockdown. That is a wild punishment. Can you imagine? Oh, you're breaking quarantine? Well, you don't see that house on the hill over there, the one everyone's afraid of, and there's been thousands of reports of? That's where you're going to stay. <laughs> I don't know. Is it, does the punishment fit the crime? I, I, I don't really think so, but it's, it's kind of creepy. So, um, let's see what else. Is there anything else? Or are we done? We might be done. Um, oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, a sizable anomaly has been spotted on the Loch Ness webcam. Webcam. So it looks like they might have caught the monster on film yet one more time. This is interesting. All right. So they've had two other potential sightings of the, of the Loch Ness Monster this year. And this is according to Ian O. Um, Fadugan. He diligently watches the stream from his home in Ireland in the hopes of seeing Nessie, of course. Explaining to the Scottish Sun... This most recent sighting occurred last Wednesday when a curious-looking, rather large object came up out of the water and was remaining motionless. Then it submerged slowly into the loch, disappearing from sight. O'Fadigan claims that shortly after the oddity first appeared, splashing motions were seen on the video, although it's difficult to discern in the second-hand video capture of the strange scene. But be that as it may, the footage does indeed show some kind of dark object, which O'Fadigan estimated to be 30 feet long, on the water for 90 seconds approximately, before it appeared to gradually sink below the surface. As you might imagine, the sheer size of the anomaly captured the imagination of all Nessie fans everywhere, who have heralded the video as featuring perhaps the biggest sighting of the creature yet to date. By virtue of the April 22nd sighting, O'Fadigan can now be credited with a whopping eight reports accepted by the official Loch Ness Monster Sightings Register, easily making him the most proficient hunter of the creature to date. After considering the success he's had so far, it stands to reason that this is not the last time we'll be scrutinizing tantalizing footage captured by the webcam watcher.
So that's really interesting. I told my friend Jim back in 1994 that one of my dreams is to sit on the shores of the Loch Ness Sea and just look for the Loch Ness Monster for a week. Just picnic there and watch all day long to see if I could capture a glimpse of the giant creature. We had talks between us about maybe we should go go on over to Scotland and and just try it. Just do just that. See what we could see. Yeah, but it never came to pass. And he moved to the Bay Area, started a band called Oranger. <laughs> and I don't even know if they're still around, which is kind of sad. Now, um, oh goodness, a big Bigfoot bandits have struck again. They were, uh, basically, they swiped Sasquatch statue, a Sasquatch statue in Massachusetts. So once again, the ne'er-do-wells have stolen a sizable Sasquatch statue. Now the authorities are on the lookout for the proverbial Bigfoot bandits. I gotta be honest with you. If I went to someone's house and I saw a Bigfoot statue, A, I would never tell, and B, I'd laugh my ass off. C, I'd probably be taking a selfie with the said Sasquatch. (laughs) I mean, that's kind of crazy, right? All right, so if you want to see some strange footage, if you go to coastcoastam.com, they have literally footage of a UFO exiting a volcano in Mexico. It's an odd video and it shows a UFO supposedly or seemingly coming out of the largest volcano in the country. So this curious piece of footage came to light by way of a webcam that watches over the massive Popocatapeti, I mean Popocatapetl volcano near Mexico City. Since the location has been long suspected of being some kind of alien base by UFO enthusiasts, this online stream is popular haunt for anomaly hunters, hoping to capture a glimpse of something out of the ordinary from the comfort of their home. In the past, last Monday, one diligent viewer noticed a puzzling moment when the the rather sizable glowing orb emerged from the crater of the volcano and flew up into the sky. Sharing the video on his website, indefatigable UFO researcher Scott Waring declared this is just a further proof that alien base does exist, that the aliens living there have very large spacecraft. Based on the size of the volcano's crater, his theory is that the potential UFO is approximately 165 feet across. Waring went on to assert that the footage constitutes 100% proof that aliens use this volcano to enter a base deep below. And he postulated perhaps there is a clandestine agreement in place between the ETs and the Mexican government that allows for this to occur. As anyone can imagine, not everyone's convinced that the video shows an alien spaceship. Some skeptical viewers have suggested perhaps a UFO is merely an airplane taking off from behind the volcano and it was made to look like it is emerging from the magma due to the perspective of the webcam. So if you want to go check it out, 
It's on YouTube, or you could just go to Coast Coast AM forward slash article forward slash watch UFO exits volcano in Mexico. There's a dash between each of those words up to you, but that's it. That's all, all she wrote for the weird news and the earth changes report tonight. I wanted to say thank you for having confidence and continued faith in me and my show. I'm glad you're here to listen to metaphysical soul speak the podcast. And I'd like to ask for your help in distributing the knowledge that I exist. (laughs) Not really me so much, but the show. I want Metaphysical Soul Speak, the podcast, to be known far and wide across the world. If you can help me with that by telling everybody you know on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter about the show, just say, hey guys, listen to the show. It's cool. I love it. And if you're interested in the paranormal and the supernatural, as well as deeply spiritual topics such as the ascension, as well as hearing channelings, then by all means go to anchor.fm forward slash metaphysical or just do a Google search or search on your favorite podcast app for Metaphysical Soul Speak, the podcast. But that's it guys i wanted to tell you thank you for being here and i will be back with all new and original programming on monday just like always also on monday i will be reading lesson two in the book on telepathy by william walker atkinson so you have that to look forward to There's eight lessons, and Monday will be lesson number two. If you haven't heard this yet, go check out last Monday's episode from this past week, and that will be your lesson one. So that's it, guys. I love you. I love each and every one of you so much. I hope that you're staying safe, you're wearing a mask and social distancing outside, and inside you're washing your hands a lot and using your hand sanitizer just in case. And in the meantime, meditating and praying and asking for your DNA to open up so that you never get sick again, regardless of what goes on in the outside world. That's it, guys. I'm signing off with peace and joy and the high vibes of the Holy Fifth Dimension. Until Monday. Have a good weekend. Peace. Metaphysical Soul Speak is run on sponsors and listener support. This means listeners like you. If you are so inclined to support my efforts and my little podcast, please visit me at anchor.fm forward slash metaphysical and pledge an amount of your choosing today. Thank you.